um, some of you, well, good morning. Uh, probably many of you actually were hearing from God, literally hearing from God during worship. And so I want to um, take about a minute here to be quiet and give you an opportunity. Take out your phone, uh, take out a piece of paper, um, something, and just write down what it is that God was saying to you. I think it's really important that when God speaks, we remember. I mean, what, who, whose voice do we want to hear more than the voice of the Lord? So I'm just going to take about a minute and be quiet, and I just ask you, if the Lord said something to you, maybe he gave you an invitation, maybe he asked you a question, maybe he gave you a word of encouragement for someone else in the room, someone else in your, um, in your family, your friend group, uh, just write that down. And, and just one more reminder, and then I'll be quiet. If you heard condemnation, if you heard accusation, that's not the voice of the Lord. So you can take this time just sending that one back to hell where it came from and receive from God what he wants to say. God, we are your servants and we are listening and we thank you that you speak. Thank you, God, our Father, for your goodness. Thank you for the way that the word of the Lord continues to spread. I just pray for more, God. Amen. Um, I shouldn't ask you to do what I myself am not willing to do. So um, as we were being quiet, I remembered something the Lord said to me. And though this might be a little odd with some in the room and some there, um, it, it's actually for you right here. Um, I don't know what your name is, though. Sitting next to Nate. Josh, um, did you, can I give you a word of encouragement? I promise it's good. Okay. Um, I just looked over you. I don't know if we've met before, but um, the Lord, I heard the Lord say he, um, he's like Samuel right now, um, which means, you know, the one who hears. And uh, I felt like the Lord was encouraging you that I don't know what you might be pressing into God about right now. I don't, I don't know where you are, stand with God, but whatever you might be asking the Lord about right now in your life, he, he's longing to speak to you. And I, I don't think you earn the voice of the Lord by more time in prayer, but I think it does open up access. So I just think the Lord might be inviting you to some extended times to listen, and the Lord just wants to speak to you. Can I, can I pray for you? God, uh, thank you for Josh and thank you for your encouragement to him this morning. Thank you for the good news of the kingdom of God coming right down upon him now in the name of Jesus. I ask that you'd open his ears to hear and his heart to perceive, his spirit to be renewed by your good word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, okay. Well, we are uh, uh, starting a new series this morning called The Mission of God. It's a series in the book of Acts. And so what we're going to do uh, over the next two couple of months is we're going to work our way through the book of Acts, particularly focusing on the mission of God 
through the people of God in the book of Acts. So that's our purpose. This won't be verse by verse um, through Acts. Sorry, that would take a millennium. Um, we're just going to take a couple of months and we're going to look at Acts really with this vision of the mission of God um, through God's people lived out in the early church. Um, if you notice when you're reading the Gospels, um, as the Gospels move forward, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you see this uh, constant pull inward towards Jerusalem. So everything is sort of leading um, all the people, including Jesus, to the, to the place in Jerusalem where the act of redemption takes place, where Jesus is accused, he's beaten, he's tortured, he's killed, and rises from the dead. So everything, in, if you just think Old Testament, it's, you know, Jerusalem, 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 one place. There's a turning point at the end of the Gospels as Jesus ascends into heaven, and then the beginning of the book of Acts, where instead of everything pointing to Jerusalem, everything begins to emanate outward from Jerusalem. And so... You know, all of history is pointing to a place and then the Holy Spirit descends and the being of God descends upon his people and that being wants to go everywhere. So um, we are a part of that uh, dispersion of people right now. Pro I don't know if anyone here was born in Jerusalem. I wasn't. Anybody? Okay, nobody. Okay, so we're all... In, right now, in, in essence, as believers in a heavenly Jerusalem from which he's sending us to the world. That's, that's the mission of God. Started way back. Um, if you look again, I'm just making some uh, broad statements. I remember my friend Dave Knoll speaking at the church here one time, and I, I can hear his voice. He said, you know, the most often statement said to the unbeliever by Jesus is come to me. But the, but the most often stated word of the Lord to the believer is go. Certainly not go away from me or depart from me, but no, I'm sending you. So to the unbeliever, Jesus is always saying come, come, an invitation. But to the believer, most often he's saying go. It's exhortation, it's challenge, it's I'm sending you. And that again is the, the crux of the book of Acts. If you remember from John 15, you know, Jesus' big speaking about the speech about the, the, the vine and the branches. And he talks about how important it is for believers to abide in him. He says, abide in me. You know, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we sometimes miss, maybe even in the, in the nature, the sort of encounter-oriented church that we are, we sometimes miss the, the reason for that abiding. Jesus says, abide in me, let my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done. Abide in me, apart from me you can do nothing, that you would go and bear much fruit. So we, we live in the tension of the abiding, the resting in Jesus, and the fruit bearing, the going. We can't do the fruit bearing on our own, we can't do it unless we abide in Jesus. But if we're abiding in Jesus and no fruit is coming out, we've missed part of the commission of God. The impact of the abiding is that we bear fruit. So this abiding in Christ, a practice we talk about a lot, brings to us kind of an inward center, Jesus in our midst. But it results in fruit bearing, which is an outward orientation. So we have an inward center in Christ, and we cultivate that through prayer. But we have an outward orientation. Why? Because Christ is in us. And the word that he so often is speaking to us 
whether we want to hear it or not, is go, go, go. Not necessarily go overseas, go, but maybe go across the street into your email, into your contact list, back to your family of origin. That's the hardest one to hear maybe for somebody. The Father draws us to Jesus by love. Jesus the Son saves us, redeems us, recreates us, and God the Holy Spirit changes us. He turns us around. That's inner transformation that happens as we get to know Jesus in our ongoing Christian life. But it's also an orientation, a reorientation. He turns us around inside out so we're transformed so that we can go out into the world with the transforming power and presence of God. This is the mission of God in the world through the people that follow Jesus. He's in us in order to work through us. It's not an either or. And I have been one of those that has said, you know, I'm kind of a secret place type of a guy. I'm kind of an abiding, contemplative, you know. That's just my nature. And Jesus loves me too much to let me just rest in what feels like my nature. Because as he calls me toward him, he sends me from him, with him, into the world. Um, Just a little background, Book of Acts, written by Luke, a physician, uh, a Gentile, a non-Jew, the only one who wrote any scripture. Not one of the twelve, you know, if you're thinking, wait, Luke, was he? I mean, I... Even in seminary, I used to think, wait, Luke? Where the heck did Luke come from? He's not one of the 12, right? But he was a sometime companion of Paul and obviously wrote the book called Luke. (laughs) It wasn't meant to be a trick. It was meant to be an easy one. (laughs) And the book of Acts, all right? (laughs) Um, If you're looking for the big structure of Acts, um, lots of ways that you can look at it. I won't go into them all, though they're fun. I'll give you one. Um, You might look at the book of Acts as um, six sections divided by a common phrase or at least wording or idea throughout the entire book of Acts. So let me just read uh, uh, phrases from, um, from five different places in the book of Acts that gives us six divisions. Acts 6, 7, the word of God spread. Acts 9.31, the church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and grew in numbers. Acts 12.24, the word of God continued to increase and to spread. Are you getting the the idea here? Acts 16.5, the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. Acts 19.20, in this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So from Acts 1.8, where we're going to start today... You know, Jesus just say, hang out, wait for the Holy Spirit because a gift is coming and then you're going to go and be my witnesses. What you see in the rest of the book of Acts is that church obeying that command with that power into the world so that the word of God spreads and grows. And, you know, it's an interesting phrase, the word of God. I I had to look at it because I thought the word of God... We tend to think Bible, right? Well, they didn't have the Bible. They had the Torah at that time. They would have some prophetic books. But they didn't have the New Testament. It was in the midst of happening. So when the the scripture says, 
when Luke says in Acts, the word of God spread, the word of God grew, the church was strengthened, what does he mean? And I thought, I think what he means is this message of the eternal mission of God from Abraham starting all the way through the mission of Jesus, this word of God, even Old Testament, you see God's going to choose a people. He's going to love a people. He's going to call a people to himself. He's going to change a people. Then he's going to send a people. And he's going to empower a people. Because what he wants is not a people, but the people. He, he, he wants everyone. And so that word of God that's spreading is, yes, the, the prophetic move of God through the Old Testament to the coming of the Messiah. But also, it is Jesus, the word of God. It's the testimony of the word. So John chapter 1, John says, you know, the, in, in the beginning was the word. He's talking about Jesus. And the word was with God. He's talking about Jesus. And the word was God. And then this Jesus comes and does his work, dies, rises, ascends, releases the Holy Spirit so that that word, scripture and spirit can go through us. I mean, maybe I'm just a preacher, but I get chills when I think of that. Because what a privilege to be ambassadors, like Merlin said, to bear the presence of God, the word of God, into the world. So we're going to look at the beginning of this uh, spreading of the word of God. If you have a Bible, open it to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We have some Bibles up here and some Bibles over there, and we've got some more coming in because they seem to be going away. That's a good thing. If you need a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. But open up in whatever device or book you have, Acts chapter 1. And we will see the Holy Spirit given to empower the mission of God, the proclamation of Jesus, and the continuation of Jesus' ministry of redemption and renewal. I think, let's see, it's, uh, where is it? Supernatural lifestyle. See that way over there? For the people watching, there's a plaque on the wall. One of the values of the vineyard. We continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's part of what motivates us as a church, what, what, what um, engages us in the mission. We're called. We continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Acts 1, 8. Luke is quoting Jesus. And Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is after the resurrection of Jesus, before the ascension of Jesus. These are really the, the last words of Jesus. This is the, like, if you don't remember anything, you know, remember the day when I go. What was that thing he said? He said we would receive power. That is right where they were. And we would be his witnesses. In Jerusalem, that is right where they were. In Judea, that's a little farther out in some, you know, different people. In Samaria, that's significant cultural difference and a step over offensive animosity, by the way, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, which many people listening to Jesus would have thought, what's that, like over three hills? I mean, they would have had no idea the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus is communicating to his people, I don't want you to miss the power. Because if you try to continue my mission in your own strength, 
failure is ahead. <laughs> How many people have experienced? I have. It's tough without the power of God. But he also doesn't want them to miss the nations. I, mean, I know that Jesus said, stay here and wait because the power is coming. But it wasn't just for the power. The nations were also coming. Because at this time, when Jesus is speaking, as you know, we, we're going into uh, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, all of these nations, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, are on their way, remember, towards Jerusalem. They're all going to be there for the feast. And Jesus wants the people to get the power, but he wants to, get, he wants to give them the power so that they can take it to the nations. So here's Jesus basically given our mission statement, encountering the love and power of God, Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, and giving it away to the world, and you will be my witnesses. So if you ever come in, you think, I'm a mission statement, I don't give much for that. It's from Jesus. So take it up with him. I'm just playing around, but I'm serious. So this promise of Jesus is to every single believer. There's power other than our own. And the power of the Holy Spirit that is promised, promised to every single believer is in order that we might bear witness to the world. The, the Greek word used here, witness, is martus. We get our word martyr from it. It just simply means a person who testifies to the truth with their body. A martus in, the, in this time would be someone who would be called upon to give, hey, I saw, this is what I saw, and this is what happened, and, you know, so help me God. That was a martus. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you power so you can be that. Now, if you need to hear you're called to be a martyr, you can hear that today, but I'm going to let God say that to you, not me. But he is called you to be a martus, to be a witness. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit so you would let people know what you've seen and heard. Isn't that great in Acts 4 when um, Peter and John are, well, it's not great when they get the heck beat out of them, but after that, in, in, you know, in the, the uh, religious officials say, now, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And they're like, hey, <laughs> I mean, it's up to you what you think. God, you know, man says, but we have to speak about what we have seen and heard. They're saying we have to be a martyrs. We can't help but bear witness. Like Jeremiah, if we kept it in, it would be like a burning in our hearts. So we testify to Jesus with our words and with our lives. This is New Testament Kingdom 101 proclamation and demonstration. You just, you know, it might be fun. Read through all the Gospels with those two words as a lens. Where do I see Jesus proclaiming the kingdom? And where do I see Jesus demonstrating the kingdom? And you'll just see it over and over and over again. And then Acts 1.8, Jesus says, tag, you're it. I'm going to give you power so you can be a martyr. So you can go into the world and tell everything that you've seen and heard and demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want you to hear like condemnation and guilt. I want you to hear an invitation to cooperation with heaven. That's what it is. I, I know I've listened to messages like this for about 40 years in my life. 
And I, I sometimes sit back like, oh, man, it's a missionary thing. It's a, it's a go out and do what makes me uncomfortable thing. Just slough that off and hear this morning an invitation into cooperation with heaven type of thing. Not something you have to drum up like human zeal, but something you just accept like heavenly oil, and it just flows through you. I think that's how God would have us live and act in the world as his people. The mission of God depicted in the book of Acts is to bear witness to Jesus and to continue the ministry of Jesus, everything he did, by the power of the Holy Spirit. What we know in the Gospels, we communicate. What we see in the Gospels, we demonstrate or replicate. What we hear Jesus saying to us, we give to other people. This is the good news. He loves you. He died for you. He's calling you. He's cleansing you. And what we see him do in the scriptures, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. That's the easy stuff. Love unconditionally, forgive, bear the cross. That's the hard stuff. We do it all. Remember, um, well, I'm just going to assume that you remember perfectly last week's message from Easter, where I talked about the emotions surrounding the empty tomb and what people were feeling and how, how they were responding when they first saw the risen Christ. And I said there were a lot of emotions, but there were fewer words in response from Jesus himself. In fact, I said he asked two questions. Why do you doubt And why are you afraid? And I said he gave an affirmation. As the Father is sending me, so I'm sending you. We got this affirmation. Jesus saying, you know, let's put doubt away. We've had enough of that. Let's uh, put fear away. We've had enough of that. The power of the Holy Spirit's coming upon you. Now, go. I'm sending you. Just like the Father sent me, I'm sending you. That's the affirmation. If you think about that, how did the Father send Jesus? With power, with a a clarity about who he was as the Son of God, with confidence, not in himself, but the power of the Holy Spirit in and through him, with the same backing and resources from heaven, with the promises of God. That's how the Father sent the Son into the world. And Jesus, the one who beat death, turns to us. I mean, you can picture it, close your eyes and picture it this morning and says to you, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. We lack no resources from heaven to continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's hard to say that because I know what it feels like out there in the world, but we lack no resources from heaven. Right after that affirmation in John 20, Jesus also gives an invitation. He says this, now receive the Holy Spirit. So he's got these, you know, questions. Why do you fear and why do you doubt? He's got this affirmation, the way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he's got this invitation. You could take it as a command. I don't know. I choose to hear invitation. He's looking at his disciples who are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
knowing that in a very short time Jesus himself is going to go. He realizes that. So I want to, before we go into the second text, into Acts 2, I want to go back quickly to the words of Jesus in John 15, where he talks about abiding for the purpose of fruit bearing. One of the things that we as a elder team and as a pastoral staff team repented of last fall when we were sort of in that season of reformation was we repented of any type of apathy that might come from the leadership of this church that might say, you know, we're so into identity and being, you know, it's okay to just be. You never have to do anything. Just be, just be. And I think so much of the world emphasizes the doing, so I'm happy to be an emphasizer of the being because there's a lot of doing without being that can hurt. But we repented of making it like a first and then as opposed to a both and an and. And the both and the and of Jesus is abide with me that you might bear fruit. It's not like this or like this. It's like this. And so we we are in being in Christ and we receive from him and we're built up and we're rooted and grounded in love. And then we go and we do in the world. We serve the poor. We preach the gospel. We love our neighbors. We are and we do. We are and we do. We act from who we have become. And so what we do doesn't make us who we are. We don't, we don't come back to, you know, it's like um, the disciples came back to Jesus and he said, after a mission, and he said, how's it go? And they're like, we saw the devil, fall, you know, falling from he- heaven. I can't remember. They said something about demons. And Jesus says, well, yeah, that's awesome. But guess what? What's most important? Your names are written in the book of life. Jesus is always about both, who you are and what you do, who you are and what you do. What we do comes out of who we are. We can't do without being. But, I mean, I just quote C.S. Lewis, so I won't get in trouble. But what C.S. Lewis said was, if you love God but not your neighbor, you're no good to God. If you love your neighbor but not God, you're no good to your neighbor. And what he's saying is, it's vertical and it's horizontal. We live in the cross. We're called people that are sent to go. That's the mission of God. That's the whole book of Acts. And that's where we're hanging out for the next couple of months. Acts chapter 2. If you flip a page, Acts 2, 1 to 4. Suddenly a sound, this is, you know, everyone's gathered in Jerusalem. Um, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the encounter. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. There's the sending. There's the giving away. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is what it looked like initially when the Spirit came on the early church. Happened to be about 120 of them in the upper room. Maybe about 120 in here this morning. Coincidence? I think not. Followed by the demonstration of the Spirit's power, right? These people are speaking in tongues 
literal languages that they can't possibly have known. And the people from every tribe, tongue, and nation around the world, God-fearing Jews who have come to Jerusalem, are now hearing what the Bible says is hearing the testimony about God or the praises about God in our own language. That's what's happening when the Spirit comes. The very first, very first thing that happens is a fire, which is cool, but the very first thing that happens in the external is they testify. The called ones are becoming the sent ones right here in Acts chapter 2. Now it happens that Acts 2, 5 to 6, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken because this was God's plan. This was God's plan. Gather people from every nation so that he could pour out the Holy Spirit and the good news of Jesus upon them and then scatter them back to the nations so that everywhere they would go, the testimony of Jesus with its accompanying power would go with them. And I would like to think and I pray that that's what happens here at the vineyard every single Sunday. No, every day of the week where people in our church gather together, they gather in the presence of God to be filled and empowered and then scattered to the neighborhoods, <laughs> if not the nations, to the neighborhoods. We gather and we scatter. It's just a, a standard way that it works um, in the New Testament church. We encounter the love and the power of God and then we give it away. Um, very strange example that came to me which by the look on all your faces, I probably shouldn't give, but I will anyway. One point in the shower, I felt compelled to read the shampoo bottle. You ever read the directions on a shampoo bottle? It says, lather, rinse, repeat. Like we need directions on how to wash our hair. I don't know why this came to me, but I heard the Lord say, it's kind of like that with the church. We gather, he rinses, and then he releases. That's corny, it's cheesy, but it works for me. I mean, maybe that is exactly what the, what the Lord wants from us every time we get together. We gather, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, he rinses us. He cleanses us. He makes us new and fresh all over again. And then he releases us into the world. He sends us into the world. And you can take that analogy as far as you want. We go with the fresh scent of heaven into the world. And to those who are perishing, it's the smell of death. But to those who are being saved, it's the fragrance of life. I mean, that is what we're called to be and what we're called to do. By the way, it won't always be easy or smooth. In case you are getting all excited like, I am ready to go. Nothing can stop me now. We get to Acts 2, 12, and 13. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? That's the attracted, right? That's the hungry. And then there's the other ones. But some, however, made fun of them. And that's just, that's not a throwaway verse. That's for us. 
You know, some were perplexed and said, what does this mean? You know, when you give an encouraging word to someone in your workplace, you randomly talk to someone in the streets, you get a little bold with your neighbor and begin to talk about what Jesus is doing in your life. You give extravagantly and people, some of them will say, what does this mean? Like, what? What? And others will say, oh, you're one of those. I mean, the next line is, they must be drunk. <laughs> That's actually the next line in the scripture. So, well, I don't know. What does this mean? They're probably drunk. And is it a big surprise when people look at us sometimes in the world in our spirit-empowered behavior and they go, what are you on? It, this is no shock. Don't let the detractors dissuade you from the attracted people. Don't let the discouraging people you know, keep you from going after the hungry ones. And it's the enemy's plan. He'd love that, right? Like, you know, you're speaking, you get people that are encouraged, you get one person who kind of gives you the sideways glance and your, and your heart shrinks. I know what it feels like. Just don't let the enemy do it. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Don't let the distracted dissuade you from the attracted. Peter explains, you know, why all this is happening he basically says, this isn't silliness. This isn't drunkenness. What you see here is the providence of God. What you see here is exactly what the prophet Joel said in Joel chapter 2. He promised there was a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Not just men, not just women, not just old, not just young. All flesh. So he said, don't be surprised, this is coming. Acts 2, 17 and 21. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Um, Rachel, thank you for prophesying to us this morning (laughs) as you sang. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I find I'm dreaming a lot these days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This was the plan of God from ages past. We continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to empower the mission of God. So the question for the morning, and maybe the ongoing question for our lives is, are we willing to be empowered once again? Many of us have have probably had encounters with the Holy Spirit, some subtle but life-changing, some dramatic but life-changing, some confusing and perplexing, to which we responded, what could this mean? And some maybe even that we thought, what the heck was that? What was I on? But the question is, are we ready to once again be empowered by the Holy Spirit? And what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is just wait in the presence of God and allow God the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. So why don't you stand wherever you are? And uh, Amy, are you going to come play nice music for us? Thank you so much. I just think... It's time to walk in the promise of God. It's time to be filled so that we can be witnesses, to receive so that we can give, to encounter so we can give away, 
to learn from the Holy Spirit even in this moment so that we can teach and proclaim. I think the Holy Spirit, no, I know the Holy Spirit wants to empower us so that we can demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom. So I'm just going to ask a few of the ministry team members to come up in front, if you would. Uh, Some of the ministry team just line up here. That'd be great. Now, as we um, let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, I don't know how he'll want to empower people today. If you're on the ministry team and God is empowering you, sit and receive. (laughs) If you're out sitting or watching and you need someone to pray for you, come forward or text us, message us. If you're seeing someone who is being moved by God and, and, you know, you feel comfortable with your mask on, go and just, you know, reach out towards them. We're just going to wait for a while to see how God wants to empower us today. scriptures, we don't see a prescription for the filling of the Holy Spirit. The only thing we know for sure is that what you don't need, and that is you don't need to know much. According to Acts 10, it's hard to tell if they'd even put their faith in Jesus yet. Certainly the people filled at Pentecost, saved at Pentecost, were just hearing the good news of Jesus for the first time. It's not about what you know. And there's no one common experience. It's, you know, like 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit giving gifts. It says, and he distributes to each one as he wills. So God, Holy Spirit of God, will you come now and make your presence manifest among us? Touch us, your people. talk and pray a little bit, as, but just let God speak as you, as you want. My experience with the Holy Spirit is sometimes an encounter with the Holy Spirit and empowering a filling of the Holy Spirit is like, you know, a water vessel just slowly poured into a hungry plant. And sometimes it's like getting caught in a rainstorm. Sometimes it's spirit calming. Sometimes it's soul shaking. Jane, um, through the throughout the whole service, um, I kept hearing the Lord before I even knew what Randy was speaking on. I felt like um, He was saying, um, "Remember my promises." Um, I feel like there's some of you that are just right on the cusp of of moving forward either in um, a prophetic gift or um, something that you feel like the Lord's asking you to do. Um, And 
So I just, I just want to encourage you um, that the Lord promises to be with us wherever we go and whatever we do. And I, I think that Randy was, was exactly spot on when um, he encouraged us to um, go out and whatever that looks like. And I feel like, I feel like, um, I'm not sure if this is legal, but I'm going to do it anyway. Find out after you do it. I feel like that um, this week, um, the Lord wants to challenge us to, um, when we get that little inkling to give a word of encouragement to someone, even if it's the Lord sees you and he appreciates you um, and he just wants you to know that that he is on your team. Um, so I just, that's all I wanted to say. And if, if I can pray for us. Yeah. Um, Father, I thank you. Thank you um, that you are always with us and that you are always encouraging us to go out and spread your love to, to anyone that we meet and anyone that we know. I ask, Lord, that you give us courage this week and even today um, that when we see someone who needs um, just kindness and encouragement, that, that we put ourselves aside and, um, and put you before us, Lord. Thank you. God's uh, touching some of you right now, so I'm just, we're going to keep going for a while. Um, and I'd like the ministry team or anyone around, if you see someone you think God's speaking to them or doing something, go up and encourage them. Ian, could, I don't know who your friend is next to you. Could you pray for them? Because I just see the Lord on you two people. I don't know if you're connected or not, but I see God. <laughs> They're just meeting? Okay. <laughs> I just see God um, wanting to speak to you. If you guys would just put out your hands, I think the Lord wants to, to touch you in a special way. John, during the uh, worship, um, I was brought to my knees uh, in the aisle, and then Randy indicated and gave us a minute to reflect on what we were hearing uh, before his sermon, and the Lord gave me a word. He said, kneel in reverence and receive my power in your life. So kneel in reverence receive my power in your life. 